all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Ahoy! <laughs> I'm Rachel. That's a new one. And I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. Do you like that one? That was a good one. It has um, special meaning it, in uh, it, today's episode. Yes, it only... Now I realize the hint that you gave me earlier. Yes, yes. This involves a ship, I'm guessing. Yes. Okay. Yes, more or less, yes. Um, it involves water. Yes, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is for absolute sure. Um, so I was thinking of a maybe something we could do format-wise. Let's just discuss it while we're recording. Um, is... Do our little shout-outs and everything up top, and if we want to rant, we can do it at the end, because that's what I did last time. And that way, um, the hardcore people can hang in and everyone else can check out. <laughs> sure. So follow us, if you don't already, at All Bad Things Pod on... Insta-Twitter. <laughs> no, it's uh, Twitter and Insta. <laughs> Twitter and Insta. And Facebook. And Facebook. And, and email us at allbadthingspod at gmail. Dot com. <laughs> well, yes. <laughs> if there's anybody who couldn't figure out the dot com part. There are five people out there. <laughs> Probably. Yes. And they're all over the age of 87. Mm-hmm. What are you drinking tonight? I am having uh, Wise Man, which is a brewery we visited when we were in Winston-Salem mm-hmm. the last time. And what was the other brewery that we went to? Fiddlin' Fish. Fiddlin' Fish. Yeah, that was a fun brewery. Yes. Uh, so I am having... Scoop Dog <laughs> Cream Ale. What does it say on the top? I see that. It says, like, uh, when I am no longer rapping, I want to open an ice cream parlor and call it Scoop Dog. Oh. S- that's an actual quote from Snoop Dogg, <laughs> That apparently. sounds like something Snoop it would say. It does sound like something you'd say. That's so funny. And the reason he was saying that is because he just got done smoking his third blunt, and yeah, oh, yes. all he could think about was ice cream. <laughs> he probably has, like, a full-on... Like Baskin Robbins in his basement, like right next to the studio. Probably. I'm guessing. Probably with like um. With employees and everything, like just in case he's there, you know. <laughs> with THC ice cream. Yes, I'm, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure he is on some edible product somewhere. He's got to be. <laughs> like right this minute, <laughs> as yeah, we on, speak. <laughs> yeah, on several of them. I am drinking. A limited edition from Catawba, brewing out of Asheville, um, King Coconut Coconut Porter. We know I like a good coconut porter. Haven't we had that before? Haven't you I had that before? No, I I don't think I've had plenty of coconut porters. It's sure. a popular flavor. No, flavor's not the right word, but yeah, popular beer type or whatever. But um, I don't recognize the can. I don't so. either. Here, try I'm it. Sure. It's very good. I love a. I love me a porter. Yeah, it's uh, not bad. Yeah, you're kind of mad about it's it. Not as, uh, it's not as hearty as a porter. It's a little bit on the lighter side. Yeah, it's only a five and a half or oh, okay. so. Yeah, it's a little light for a porter, but I think it's tasty. I would have you uh, try my cream ale, but you can't. I cannot. It's no cream ales. Yep. Um, no lactose. Poor moi. Poor, oh, come on, Demetrius. 
Come in. He's clawing at the door, ruining the party once again. Okay, in or out, you two? This is such fascinating podcasting going on right now. Okay, okay move one way or the other. There we go. Fucking indecisive children we have. <laughs> Cats, they can't decide in or out. We said we were going to save our bantering for the end, but obviously that... Oh, hello, Demetrius. Oh, anyway. Whatever. Um, there was apparently... So much for that. <laughs> there was apparently a polar vortex going on last week. Oh, last week being this week as we're recording, but... Uh, last week being the last couple of days. Yeah. Yeah. But by the time <laughs> this comes out, it'll have been the last week. Um, True. Our, uh, our intrepid live tweeter, Emily, has been... Um, Hanging in in South Dakota. Fuck that. <laughs> Could not even. No. I've, I was watching a compilation of um, videos of people throwing boiling water out. I and still it haven't turns seen into those. Snow. Oh, it's crazy. Like, it doesn't seem I'm, like it should be physically possible. I wouldn't be surprised if that, yeah. Oh, it totally happens, too. It's That's what I'm saying. I wouldn't then, be surprised if it happens how cold it is. And then people, like... <clears throat> hang out shirts or pants over overnight, or not even overnight, just for a few minutes, and they end up like stick straight as a board. Frozen. Yeah, yeah. So um, good luck to you. <laughs> That's why we live in North Carolina. <laughs> well, we even got like a little bit of it. We it got down to like nineteen, mm-hmm. um, which is cold, but not but negative not, cold. No. I don't think we've ever seen a negative temperature here in North Carolina since we've been here. I saw plenty of them growing up. Of course. Well, but, me too. In Minnesota, never, we were there. Uh, I don't think we... Not here. No. No, it doesn't get that I, cold. I want to say we've had a single digit here or there. Maybe. But I don't think anything negative. No negatives, yeah. So. No negatives about North Carolina. <laughs> no, it's perfect. Well. It's pretty close. I enjoy it here. We have terrible legislation legislators and bathroom bills and shit that lose a lot of business for the um, state on top of being horribly bigoted so there's stuff like that um and if you don't like our politics kindly check out thank you <laughs> but we also have uh, uh you know, we also live in a in a fun city where we broadcast oh, yes. out of oh yes yeah no i'm with you i think the triangle is a very cool place especially in within north carolina so yeah Anyway, now we're officially bantering. Come visit. Yes. (laughs) Not us personally, but no. no. (laughs) Um, All right. So I did give you um, this. As we were driving home tonight, the sky was kind of reddish pink. And I said, red sky at night, sailor's delight. Red sky at morning, sailor's take. Red sky at morning, sailor's take warning. (laughs) Taylor's take warning. Um... And then I had to repeat myself because you didn't weren't listening the first time. But then <laughs> once I, I did, was, I, was kind I of said listening. it was a hint. Yeah, and then I said a whole eye at the top of this episode. So I pieced it together ever mm. so wisely. Yes, you did. You're very good at catching on to things like that. <laughs> so <clears throat> this disaster, I kind of gave you a hint too that it was something that there is no Wikipedia article on. So the person who had a dig on me about like just sounding like a Wikipedia article. Well, fuck you, because there's no Wikipedia article on this. I could write the fucking Wikipedia article now. <clears throat> Maybe I should. There you go. I've never written one. They need more female contributors. Anyway, this is the story of 
the Dolphin Island Race Disaster. Okay. Okay. So, on April 25th, 2015. What? That was four years ago. Yeah, but how is there not a Wikipedia article (laughs) on something that happened four years ago? Well, a storm hit Mobile Bay, Alabama, during the 57th annual Dolphin Island Race. Killing six boaters. No shit. Mm-hmm. So I got Indeed. the wa- I got the water part. right. You got the water part right, but <laughs> I was giving you a big hint with the whole sailor thing. This is about a sailing race. Oh, I'm. Mm-hmm. What I'm thinking. I'm thinking of um, boats with engines type of a race. No, this is a sailing okay. race, and we'll get in. Obviously, we'll get into all of this. Yeah, because I've seen a few of those motor race, motorboat races. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That is not what this is. Um, so this disaster takes place in the U.S., obviously, Alabama. Um, but in a like, it's in a world that I feel like I know nothing about. I did grow up in Miami. I did not grow up around boats, as you and I know. Um, so this is all really foreign to me, so we're going to get all into boating and shit. Here's the funny thing. <clears throat> I grew up literally on the border of Canada, and I knew... Way more about boats boats than I did. (laughs) Well, I'll never forget. The access was completely different, though. Well, yes, access. A city is going to have much different access to the ocean than a a bunch of small towns are going to have access to a river. Well, that's the thing. You boated on rivers. Mm -hmm. You didn't boat on the ocean. But a major international. Sure. No, no. I'm not trying to belittle the St. Lawrence. That's a mighty river. But it's not the Atlantic Ocean. Right, right. Um, But uh, when we went to uh, Connecticut for your cousin Tim's um, Fourth of July party a few years ago, Mm -hmm. I remember... We all went out on his boat, and it was like a little speed motor boat. What kind of boat is it? Uh, pretty much built for like water sports. Like if you want to go but water what skiing, kind of boat? Like I don't remember. Motor boat of some sort. It had well, a motor yes. on it, yeah, so and therefore it, it was a motor boat, right? It was an inboard outboard to be completely specific. <laughs> exactly, that's what I said. And but it was like a sixteen foot. Yeah, pleasure boat. Sort I of. I think it thingy. was actually Sea Ray, is what he had. Okay, and um, he pulled. A couple of the kids at breakneck speeds behind him in an inner tube until he could throw them off, which was very cruel. <laughs> but that's everyone we else were, that's got how a we huge kick, yeah, out of it. <laughs> um, but I didn't. When we sort of all hopped on board, I kind of didn't. I was like, oh, okay, we'll spin around for a little bit, and then I guess we're coming back. And we were on the fucking water for hours. Yeah, hours. That's how we do it. And I didn't realize that, so I was holding in my pee. <laughs> For hours, because I didn't wear a bathing suit, because there's no fucking way I was getting into that Housatonic River. Yeah. Yeah. What's wrong with the, what's wrong with the Because Hussie? you guys kept calling it like, <laughs> like a nuclear waste dump or something. You just kept saying it was like filled with, you know, I already don't like open water or, or like water that doesn't come we, out of we, a tap. We but. were like slightly joking. There might be some of that stuff in there. Who knows? Well, I took you seriously. <laughs> Basically, once we pulled in, I hightailed it for the bathroom. So now back to your regularly scheduled programming. So I'm, so, I'm sorry, Connecticut. <laughs> so geography corner um, for any international listeners who may not know. And God forbid if there are any 
United States listeners who don't know, Alabama is a state (laughs) in the United States. Um, And this took place off of the the coast of Alabama in Mobile Bay. So Alabama, um, oh, it's the first alphabetically of the states. Um, would you like me to sing 50 Nifty United States from 13 Original Colonies? No, but I was just going to make a joke and say, well, at least it's first in something. <laughs> well, yeah, it's last in just about everything else. Sorry, Abby. Our listener, Abby, hey, I, our good hey, listener, Abby's in Alabama. I can relate. Um, I am a Buffalo Bills fan, mm. and last year an article came out that uh, Bills fans were the drunkest in the NFL. I'm like, hey, we're number one at something. <laughs> <laughs> That does not surprise me in the least. I'm it's sure. So appropriate. I'm sure it didn't surprise anyone Anybody. at all. No. And I can attest because no. I've been to several. And you've been drunk at several. I'm yes, sure. I have. But I'm talking about people. Your sister got kicked out of she a did. Bills game for drunken behavior. Yes, she did. Hi, Trina. I have not. <laughs> That's true. What are the odds of that? That she would be, and not hasn't, me. Hasn't she been resentful of them ever since? She has. <laughs> So, and, and they've probably been just as <laughs> resentful of her. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so Alabama is in the part of the United States, for those who may not know, that we call the, the South or the Deep South specifically. Because technically we live in the South, but this is the Deep South. Um, Mississippi's to the west of Alabama. Um, Georgia's to its east. Florida borders it on the it's South. Got a little bit, yeah. And no, quite a bit. It, it's oh, a that's little true. bit that's on the Gulf of Mexico, like a little bit of coastline. And then what's to the north of Alabama? Geography quiz. I knew you were going to ask me that. Yeah. Is it, is it Tennessee? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Very good. That is exactly right. So, um, so yeah, there's, it li- there's a little bit, I mean, I didn't, I didn't actually look up like... <laughs> I'm, I'm doing like a finger motion to show how much of the state. Oops. Crossing our head. Like it's this big, the the coastline. <laughs> um, but it's it's not much of Alabama. Alabama's kind of like a, a rectangle overall shape, but then like a little a little tab that cuts down to um, the Gulf Coast. And there's like a little inlet, and I think I have a map for you. I do. Um, okay. A little inlet that cuts in. To the actual state, like this is the border, and that is um, Mobile Bay. Yeah, and this yep. is Mobile, Alabama. It looks like the north side of that. Looks like it'd be a fun place. Yeah. Well, let's learn about yeah. about this area. So it's a little. It's like a small shoreline. Is Mobile Bay, and it ha- covers a surface area about four hundred thirteen square miles. It's about twice as long as it is wide. Like you can see, it's taller than it is wide. I guess you hmm. know, kind of. Um, and it's actually really shallow comparatively. The average depth of the whole pl- of the whole bay is ten feet. So, like, it's very shallow. Um, and a large portion of it is so shallow that an adult can stand in it and not be underwater. So, you know, several feet, but not, not 10 feet, obviously. Um, so this is not like the deep blue sea, huge depths. It's like a shallow, I guess, you know, it's a place where people party, I'm sure. Well, I mean, any place on the water is where people but party. But especially one where you can mostly stand up, stand in the water for most of the time. You don't have to worry about... I can see your point there, yeah. Yeah, you don't like necessarily... Like, you can wait out pretty far, You don't yeah. necessarily have to worry about somebody drowning. Not that it's well, not... Well, you can drown in your bathtub. You can. 
but you'll much easier drown in the ocean of course than you will in a place that has an average depth of 10 feet very true very <laughs> true there so so the bay is separated from the gulf of mexico by a series of barrier islands and one is dolphin island uh, which is on the southwest part of the bay so that's dolphin island there okay um it's it's small a little town. The population is like 1,200 as of the 2010 census. Um, and it's relatively new. It only incorporated in 1988. Now, the name is funny because when I say <clears throat> dolphin, what do you think I'm saying? Dolphin. It's not dolphin. It's, it's D-A-U? D-A-U-P-H-I-N. So yeah. it's actually the French word for dolphin. is pro- It's probably dauphin. Um, but from what I could tell locally, it's called dolphin. But people, a lot of people mistake it as dolphin, like the the mammal. Um, I, would, uh, I would attempt to do my uh, French accent. The, il du dauphin. <laughs> <laughs> Je m'appelle dauphin. But that's my name is dauphin. <laughs> Your name is dolphin? Yes. <laughs> and you're a Bills fan. Yes. <laughs> um... So, but it's funny too because I feel like if someone, someone with a real thick southern accent says Dolphin Island, you're gonna think they're saying Dolphin. 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 For sure, yes. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think it's kind of funny. But anyway. Especially if that's exactly what it sounded like. <laughs> uh, now, because it's a barrier island, obviously. Lots of shoreline, lots of beach at Dolphin Island. And uh, the main public beach actually started charging for beach access in 2012. So that was something I had never really heard of, of a public beach. I thought the whole point of a public beach is that they didn't charge. But, I mean, I guess public parking, you pay for public parking. So anyway. So uh, now the Dolphin Island race that we're talking about um, I saw it referred to also as the Dolphin Island Regatta. Okay, yeah. But the official site that I could find, because this is still an annual boat race, um, the official name is still actually the Dolphin Island Race. Now, maybe it's part of a regatta, which we'll get into in a minute, but um, it's it's all the same idea, racing boats, Um, but specifically yachts and and larger sailboats. So... um, of all froofy, preppy, upper class, like snooty sounding things to do, <laughs> yacht racing is up there. It is. To me. But uh, for one thing, there's something I didn't know. Uh, like, what do you think a yacht is? Well, it's, I mean, it, people would mistake it as like, you know, something Mark Cuban owns, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, but there's, there are variations. Yes. Like on this, we're, we are talking about, um, one-man vessels that you uh, go back and forth on the sail, and you have to... I believe that's what we're talking about. So, really, the actual, like, Webster's version or um, definition of what a yacht is is, quote, any of various recreational watercraft, such as sailboat, used for racing. A large, usually motor-driven craft used for pleasure cruising. Interesting. So there's like two different things. Okay. It's basically, the only thing that seems to define a yacht versus anything else is that it's a pleasure vessel sure. versus like a work ship. So basically, like anyone who owns a boat could race it, and that's considered yachting. 
which is interesting. Okay. Yeah, isn't it? <laughs> I, I find I, that. I never knew that. Yeah. Yeah, because I thought it was like a giant ship with a crew and like you said, Mar- like a like a giant like something CEO. Mar- something Mark yeah, Cuban exactly. But that's not always the case. Obviously, a lot of people, much more middle class, own vessels that would fall under that category. So. Sure. Now, regattas have been around for quite some time. Yeah. Um, formally from around like the 1700s. Yeah, was, a lot of a lot of boating events mm-hmm. have been around for hundreds of years because yes, those well, were really the first vessels you could race. Right, right. You know? uh, now, prior to the 1700s, I imagine they weren't racing them because they were used for like discovering shit. They were used for transportation. <laughs> and transportation, exactly. Yeah. So there wasn't a lot of recreating no. going they were, on. They were used for transportation and war. Yeah, exactly. Discovery, transportation. Sometimes both. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, the word regatta is not surprisingly Italian, specifically Venetian Italian, um, and it comes from the word contest. So it just means it's a contest. So really, you could say the dolphin. contest. Yeah, you could call it a regatta, which just means a contest, or a race, which is a form of a contest. So it's all kind of the same thing. Um... Uh, sometimes it's used to mean like a series of races, like say, oh, the regatta is this weekend, but there are multiple races within it. So anyway, um, but uh, now regattas are usually for amateur sailors. It's not like a professional event, um, but there are also a lot of very stringent, specific rules and procedures involved in them. So much so that the U.S. Sailing Association, the USSA for a fun acronym, publishes an entire like spiral bound rule book that you can buy <laughs> every four years. So this wow. is pretty hardcore. And yeah, it, it's hardcore. Anyway. So the Dolphin Island race is put on and is still to this day. I mean, this was just a few years ago. This race did continue um, by put on by three different yacht clubs like that rotate. So one year it's one club. Next year it's the next club. Next year it's the next club. And then they rotate back around again. And the three clubs are the Buccaneer Yacht Club, the Fairhope Yacht Club and the Mobile Yacht Club. And 2015, the Fairhope Yacht Club, which of course is in Fairhope, Alabama, hosted the race. And Fairhope, we can see on this, that's Fairhope right okay. there. So, um, so Fairhope is on like the uh, eastern, central eastern coast of Mobile Bay. Um, so they were hosting it, and. The club, so the Fairhope Yacht Club was founded in 1942. Now, and it, I, currently, and I'm imagining in 2015, because that's not that long ago, it's basically a giant clubhouse, has a dining room, ballroom, bar, and 134 boat slips, which from what I could tell is like basically a parking spot for yes. a boat, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and a 200-foot-long pier, which that's kind of cool. I, I like piers. Like the one in San Diego. That was really nice yes. on our honeymoon. Um, now, provided the race ran continuously, which I really couldn't find a huge amount of history on the race itself, um, it would have, if, and this was the 57th annual one, it began like 58 
1958, 1959 or something. So the course runs 18 miles from the northeastern part of Mobile Bay southwest to the Dauphin Island Bridge. So Dauphin Island's on the south side of the bay, kind of off to the west a little bit. So So now we're going to get into the 2015 race. So the 2015 Dauphin Island race took place on Saturday, April 25th, 2015. 125 boats had registered with a total of 476 crew members on board. So like four people per boat, roughly. Uh, The start time for the race was scheduled at 9.30 in the morning, local time, on that Saturday. Now the day before, so April 24th, the National Weather Service in Mobile began reporting on possible storms that night and into the next morning. There was a front, a storm front, coming through that or that was going to start coming through that had originated in Texas and developed into three separate thunderstorm cells. So it was kind of a pretty big, pretty volatile front that was coming um, that way. Now, the last thing that um, the National Weather Service Mobile, which is at NWS Mobile, if you want to follow them on Twitter, um, the last thing they tweeted on April 24th said, quote, a few strong to severe storms possible on Saturday. Main threat, damaging wind. Okay. We can see where this is heading, right? Yes, we can. Other meteorologists in the area also knew and had been reporting on the storms that were moving um, into Alabama. One meteorologist from Birmingham, James Spann, said, quote, There was a severe thunderstorm warning clearly identifying the risk of very strong straight-line winds, end quote. So this was not a surprise to anybody, this storm front, right? So... The next morning... We can also see where this is heading. Yes. The next morning, that Saturday, uh, one of the officials on the water, like for the race, called the Fairhope Yacht Club, told the person who answered the phone to, quote, post the scratch sheet, end quote. Do you know what a scratch sheet is? I have an idea, but... I had to look it up. Okay. (laughs) Um, It's basically like a list of the competitors and their information, so it would be like... um, the such-and-such boat captain by so-and-so. Sure. Um, and the type of boat it was or whatever. It's the one thing that did kind of sound familiar as a scratch sheet to me. It's used in horse racing to sure. show, show the horses, their jockeys, and the odds and stuff. It's a program. Yeah, guide. basically. Basically. Yeah. So the official was, like, giving the go-ahead, okay, all of the entrants are finalized. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, go ahead, post the sheet. We're good to go. Um, but the employee at the yacht club who received the call misunderstood or misheard this official. And what they heard was, quote, scratch the race, end quote. Like, it's it's over. We're, we're not holding this race. Like, okay. it's canceled. So at 7.44 a.m., which is like an hour and 15, around 16, or no, 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 it was at 9.30. So it was like just about two hours before the start time of the race. A notice appeared on the Fairhope Yacht Club's website in red letters saying, quote, canceled due to inclement weather. So like they they had a notice that was like, okay, race is off. Um, Obviously... Like, they started getting phone calls right away, like, seriously, the, the, the race is off. Um, 
And they're like, no, no, of course it's not. So it took them a little while to figure out what had happened. And then they did, and they took the notice down within, like, about 30 minutes of that. Well, I mean, this is tragic. But but continue. So it caused a lot of confusion initially, obviously, because people were like, well, wait. Should we even bother coming to the race that we're scheduled to to race in? You know, um, so so even though there's this confusion about start the start time or about whether it was even going on, and concerns about the weather because this is 2015, it's basically like modern day as far as <laughs> that sounded stupid. But you know, everyone has cell phones and smartphones and everything else and apps, and it, everyone it, was it following was, the weather. It was not going to be difficult to coordinate. Exactly, or understand that bad yeah. weather was moving in or yeah. whatever. But even though there was that confusion and potential bad weather, only eight boats dropped out of the race okay. that morning. So now I couldn't tell if that was before the 125 boats or after. So in other words, the 125 boats might have been who actually ended up racing, or it could have been 117. I'm, I'm not sure which. So 125 minus the eight. Just 117. Yes. <laughs> I got my math. No, right. I was just saying I was being fancy about it. Oh, okay. Very good. <laughs> You're showing your work. <laughs> um, so then, so this caused, this caused a delay in the start time. Sure. Because by the time all this was getting, yeah, you can tell where this mm-hmm. is going. By the time this was all getting figured out, obviously that, ca- that caused a delay. Now, there were additional delays caused, and they were caused by the racers themselves. So apparently, it's not uncommon for sailing crews to get pretty cutthroat at the starting line of races. So they're looking kind of for every advantage that they can get. And here's an interesting thing about racing sailboats or boats, which I didn't know because I don't know anything about boats. But so you got your starting line. And, like, it's not, these are these are vessels. They're not being released from a gate or something like dogs no. on a track or uh-uh. horses. It's just a line, right? So the idea to have a competitive advantage is for these boats to time things perfectly to get, like, a running start. Mm-hmm. So that just as the race gets started, they're just reaching the starting line. They already, have, pick up. They already have some momentum. Exactly. So... While people are trying to do this, obviously some people are going to fuck it up mm-hmm. and go past and, that starting line and too fuck early. With each other, yeah. So because people were were uh, jumping the gun, and then they had to come back around and everything, and people were like jammed into this one area, it caused more delays. So by the time the race started, remember nine thirty a.m. was the originally scheduled time. It was around 11 a.m., so it was about an hour and a half delayed, 90 minutes delayed from the original um, start time. So, um, as we said, everyone, this is 2015, everyone had their smartphone and everything, and these are all a bunch of, well, um, they're amateurs, but for the most part, like, at least relatively experienced amateur boaters not you know? their first rodeo right. so, so to speak so they had like radar and gps units and and other tools and all these herbs or whatever and all these people know the area most likely anyway mm-hmm. it's not people showing up from right no these are people who live in this yeah. area so, they, so they're they used know. to sailing yeah. this area all the time 
a lot of them had had even sailed this race before. Sure. So, um, so people were monitoring the weather, um, but something interesting that I saw in some articles I was reading about this, the Smithsonian Magazine and um, AL.com, which is Alabama.com, had two really great articles on, like, long-form articles that I used on this, since I didn't have Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> they pointed out that, like, people who boat are used to a certain amount of inclement weather. Like, yeah. you're not guaranteed perfect no. weather all the time. Mm-mm. You're used to some squalls, whatever, a little you're not even guaranteed here and there. Perfect weather, if it starts, is perfect weather. Right. Things, Things can, can change. change, especially over the water, right? Yeah. So so they were, they were kind of used to that. And something that um, these articles pointed out is that all of this tech, available technology, the apps, the, the radar, the GPS, the EPIRBs, all that stuff... Um, kind of gave these, potentially, gave these boaters kind of a false sense of security. That they were able to monitor things so closely, they felt that they were willing to cut things maybe a little closer. So even though they knew that there was a storm coming, they were like, but we're able to keep an eye on it. And... The, what the forecasts were saying was that that area was going to start getting hit with these storms around 4.15 p.m. And even though the race had gotten delayed, most if most of the racers were going to be done by then. Um, it, I mean, it was, a, it was a decent haul of a race, but like not hours and hours, more like a handful of hours, two, three, four hours. Um, so the idea that... Basically, the idea is that people were saying, okay, yeah, bad weather's going to move in, but we're going to have enough time to finish the race, maybe even finish the race and get home. So they were maybe willing to take a little bit more of a chance. And very few people dropped out of the race, so obviously it wasn't all that concerning to many people. And we're not even sure that the people who dropped out dropped out because of the weather. They could have just gotten sick, literally, you know. Sure. Who knows? So anyway... um. I went off script, so now I have to find mine. <laughs> anyway, obviously, though, the problem is weather predictions are predictions. Exactly. They're not guarantees, which is, that's that's something I find myself guilty of. Like, I'll look at my phone and the weather app, and it's saying, like, oh, it's not raining now, but I can hear the rain outside. And I'm like, it's not supposed to be raining right now. Like somehow the app is dictating what's supposed to happen, which is stupid. <laughs> so anyway. that's I've, I've, I guess I've never thought of it that way, but that is kind of how some people think, isn't it? Well, I do sometimes. I admit I'm not stupid, but... Um, so the race had been underway, and by noon, um, things were still looking pretty good weather-wise. The winds were high, but that wasn't necessarily a bad thing in a sailboat race. Like, it was helping give them some good speed. Um, and the water was smooth, which obviously also very ideal for, for sailing. By 1.50 p.m., the leaders had finished the race. So this was close to three hours in um, the the first boats had finished. Now, usually when people finish this race, they pull into a harbor on Dolphin Island. There's like a whole trophy ceremony. And then a lot of them will like just spend the night because it's a whole weekend thing, right? This is Saturday. You stay overnight. It's Sunday, whatever. Um, But because of the storm, 
some sailors were like, yeah, we're just going to head home. So they would just turn around and, and sail back to wherever their home base was. Now, around mid-afternoon-ish, I don't have a great um, like timeline right here, but we'll kind of get back to it. The storm front um, that had been moving in from Texas hit Pascagoula, Mississippi, which is a port town just to the west of the Mississippi-Alabama border and 40 miles southwest of Mobile. The winds of the storm were so strong, it forced, you ready for this, a 600-foot-long, 57,000-ton oil tanker aground in Pascagoula. Shit. It grounded an oil tanker. That's how quick, like, or how, how strong a gust was or whatever. I've seen plenty of those. They went up and down the St. Lawrence all the time. Oh, those, those tankers, ships yeah. are fucking huge. They're tanks. Yeah. Tankers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They're, yeah, they're not supposed to be run aground by wind. No, <laughs> they literally, I'm not even joking. They don't, they don't so much sail as they just push the water out of the way. Right. Like just, mm-hmm. it's. Those things are huge. Nothing get like things get are in its wake. It doesn't get moved by other things. No, but it did by this wind. Jesus. Yeah, that's how bad it was. Yeah. So, the front kept moving. Obviously, to the east, it moved into Alabama and made its way to Mobile Bay, where it significantly intensified as all three storm cells. It intensified after it, it ran a freaking oil tanker right? around. Well, here's Holy the thing. Shit. It was three storm cells and they moved onto open water. Uh, they had nothing to stop them. True. There was no trees. No there barriers. No, yeah. Just running on, on flat water. So around three o'clock wow. in the afternoon is when the visible signs of the storm hit Dauphin Island and racers noticed a considerable uptick in the winds first. Like, that was the first thing that moved in. And it happened really quickly. I'm sure it did. Yeah. So some of the sailors were able to bring down their sails in time, and some were not. The wind picked up so badly and so quickly, some people who went through this storm who had also gone through Hurricane Katrina drew similarities between the two, saying, no like, yep, that reminded shit. me of Katrina. Wow. Yeah. Um, and they weren't far off. Winds of up to 73 miles per hour, which is literally one mile per hour shy of a Category 1 hurricane. Mm-hmm. So we're basically talking tropical storm, bad tropical storm force winds were recorded in thunderstorms. And it's, it's, it's insane. It wasn't long before the, those in boats still on the water literally were sailing in whiteout conditions. Like, they could see nothing. No land, nothing. Now, here is my second picture. This is what it looked like. <laughs> it's basically just Holy a bunch of shit. dark gray You can't see a fucking thing. No. Now, this is a screenshot from a YouTube video. Oh, my God. A guy on one of the boats, the boat was called the Saint Somewhere, had a GoPro on his head, strapped on his head. And there's, like, 15 minutes of footage of this thing. And it looks scary as shit. Yeah. Like. Especially because 
Here's the main thing. You're in this little bay. Mm-hmm. This isn't the fucking ocean. No, like this if you, is not like open if you, ocean. If you came across this in the ocean, that that's to kind of to be expected. Well, maybe. yeah. It would, it's in your mind, at least. I guess, yeah. You're never thinking about no. this in a freaking in a bay. In a 10-foot shallow yeah. area. Yeah, that's that's separated by barrier islands yeah. from the ocean What itself. they meant by, like, a little wind before, they were probably talking, like, 30 miles an hour max. Not, holy right? shit. Not... Basically, hurricane force winds. No. Yeah. Not where they are. So these people were sailing in a hurricane, more or less. Fucking crazy. As far as the, yeah. Oh, and I bet they were all, and rightfully so, shitting their pants. Uh huh. I sure would be. Um, So, in addition to the winds, obviously, these were thunderstorms. There was lightning, too. And these people are on boats with giant booms and shit on it so that was and also freaky at as hell any given time one of them can be thrown in yes exactly and lightning if it's if shit this powerful is going mm-hmm. on if, and all this there was a noticeable drop in temperature so people started getting pretty cold too and then there there were the waves so this is going from basically dead flat calm sea to eight foot waves which is <laughs> that's fuck that's as high as this room. Yes it is. It's high as the standard yeah, yeah. ceiling. Yep. Yep, in exactly. A, in a little fucking bay. Yes. <laughs> fuck. Yes. Um It's not supposed to happen. No, exactly. <laughs> and probably no one was expecting that to happen. So yeah, and that was a big problem. Now, some of the boats managed to stay upright. Others like, came excruciatingly close sure. to toppling, but then were able to right themselves, and others fully capsized. Yeah. So, yeah. um... Fuck and this storm, for as, like, fast as these wing- winds were moving, it basically stalled over Mobile Bay for 45 minutes. So this just didn't move through in a couple minutes. These people were getting the worst of the storm for a sustained period of time. All it's making me think of, what was that George Clooney, Walt, Mark Wahlberg movie? What was that mm. called? Perfect Storm. Yes. Andrea Guile. That's what it's fucking making me think. <laughs> I know, That's right? kind of what it sounds like. Mm-hmm. But it's in a fucking... It's in a, it's it's in a, a little, little bay off the... It's in Mobile Bay <laughs> off Alabama. Fuck? Yes. Yes. What the fuck? I know. And that's probably what they were thinking. Like, what the fuck is this? Motherfucker, what the fuck? Motherfucker, what the fuck? (laughs) Now, a lot of the... Holy shit. Of the articles that I read, they included a lot of, like, not a lot, but several, like, more in-depth interviews over specific people's experiences going through this. I chose not to include those necessarily because while it made sense in journalism to, like, personalize it to individuals experiences like that's not what we do so much so i'm just kind of generalizing but there are some really horrific stories about like what people had to go through and we'll talk about some of them a little bit so so fuck like like (laughs) this is the thing okay (laughs) here's the thing here's the thing you're not in a car in bad weather and you can just pull off onto the side of the road right you you are in water. Open water. You just have to fucking do whatever you can to to, not, to hang in there. To stay on your vessel and to keep your vessel upright. If you <laughs> bail, if you go in the water, you're mm-hmm. fuck. You're dead. 
Well, no. most yeah, no. most likely. No, we'll go, we'll get into okay. that. Okay, <laughs> well, you have a good chance of dying. It's it, it's not it's without a, many risks. It's a possibility. It is a possibility. But your ship, like you can't. You can't just go and like, okay, like time out. I'm gonna go park this. Like, no, that, that <laughs> let me wait this out. No, no, no. And especially once it gets like this, you can't even see where you're headed. No. You could be headed out further. You'd be headed go, right or, into another or, ship, or, and you'd yes, never know it. Or aground. Yeah, yeah. Who who knows? Yeah, they were flying blind at that point, sailing Fuck. blind. Yeah. You can't see. No. More than 10 feet out. No. And I'll have to post a link to that video, too. That It's basically just 16 minutes of horrifying storm, but yeah. So the storm triggered a Coast Guard protocol known as a mass rescue operation, which I'll is exactly it what it sounds like. Yep. And judging by that map, it looks like the Coast Guard was in a pretty good spot. Yeah. Yeah. At least it's contained, right? Like in, in a specific area. Um so, a uh, mass rescue operation is a protocol in maritime disasters with a large number of potential casualties, and it involves land, air, and sea it's, rescue. It's fucking all hands on yes, deck. Yes, basically, exactly. So, the chief of response for Coast Guard Sector Mobile, Coast Guard Commander Chris Cedarholm, called it a, quote, once-in-a-lifetime, once-in-a-career, end quote, case because of the sheer magnitude. Especially if you're he's, like, really, I'm in fucking Alabama. He's hoping. Yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I'll only touch on this slightly if we want to rant about it later. We can. But um, at least one of the articles mentioned the idea that, like, because of climate change, this shit might be happening more and more, too. So, anyway. Um, so, the 12 Coast Guard ships from Mississippi, Alabama, and Florida responded so did planes, helicopters, and rescue workers who drove ATVs along the shoreline sure. to try and like there look could be for some straggling, yes, exactly, exactly. exactly. To try you gotta, and pull them out. You gotta comb the shoreline. And, mm-hmm. fucking exactly. Um, now the Coast Guard worked with the race organizers to figure out, like, okay, who the fuck is on the water right now? How many people are we looking at? What do we need? What do we need to be doing? What's the proper response? Um, but that was made difficult by the fact that the race only kept records of the boats and their captains, no records of their crew members. So there was 125 oh boats, God. 476 people, but they only knew of 125 people who were the captains of each ship. So they did not and have then complete they, records. Then they just had to guess how many people were on board. Basically, they only knew about like 25% of people. So they literally had to just call up family members and friends of these pe- of the captains and be like who did your husband who did your wife who did your friend like take on the boat with them who do we need to be calling here and how many people were on their ship so that's just horrifying now the odds of finding people lost in 400 square miles of was it miles that's not right wait was it acres? Miles? Did I say miles before? I feel like that's not right. That seems a little that's bit huge. big for that area. No, no, no. It, I think that's right. Because it was like 10 by 20. Okay. Yeah, I think that... I'm literally having the exact same reaction I did while I was doing the research when I actually did the math myself. Okay. Anyway, really hard to do. 
<laughs> um, now, some survivors did manage to fight their way back to shore or on ships. It's estimated, I saw different numbers, but it's estimated that like a hundred of the people fell in the water, wow. ended up overboard. Holy and shit. a lot of them made it, were able to either get pulled onto other boats, put... That's shocking. I know, I know. And this is where the numbers did get a little... Look at this I picture know, again. I know. If you go in the water, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. So well, so here's the thing. I guess not. Six casualties. Remember, the depth of the water probably had that something was probably to do with. Pro- I I, yes. I didn't see anything that was getting into that, but yes, I would probably agree helped. that that's probably yeah, probably did help. I agree. Some people probably were thrown overboard in water that they could feel the ground on, so at least they could kind of like push themselves back up pretty easily. Yeah. Um. So some people were able to fight their way ashore or get back on a boat or get pulled in by, like, other people on the water. Um, But other people were in the water for a significant amount of time. Specifically, one team, um, sailing veteran Ron Gaston and his crew member, a 15-year-old girl named Hannah Blalick, who was filling in for um, Ron's daughter uh, as his mate. She was a friend of his daughter. They were literally just bobbing around in the middle of Mobile Bay for more than two hours after they had been swept overboard. Now, the other part of this is this is the Gulf of Mexico. This is not cold water. That is a big plus because if it had been any, basically anywhere else north of there in April, it would, like hypothermia would have started to settle, settle in. And even though it was way colder than was comfortable, it obviously wasn't like hypothermia cold because they were able to survive a couple sure. hours and be okay. But um, I, I mean, the, if I went in the water, the main thing I guess I'd be worried about is getting hit by another boat. Right? You have no idea what's what's going on. Yeah, and that happened because you can't see anything. That happened. This this girl Hannah, the one of the booms, mm-hmm. like hit her in her head. I'm sure as this was all happen. Like I, as they I'm were getting sure, swept. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm sure a couple people got. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah, like um, blunt trauma, blunt force trauma and stuff, yeah. Um, so what they ended up doing, Ron, after a period of time, actually f- found and realized that his cell phone would still make a call. He was able to call 911, um, and they literally just, like, the, <laughs> the I think the account was that um, Hannah was like, we need help. We're in Mobile Bay, and the the nine one one operator's like, "Oh, so, so you're you're near the bay?" And she's like, "No, we're in the bay. <laughs> like we're literally in the water right now." And she had a mobile GPS unit, so they were able to like ping her and find her that way. That's so, pretty smart too. Yeah. So in the end, ten of the participating boats, and I find this kind of shocking. Only ten sunk. The rest, many were destroyed, many were broken up, but only 10 actually sunk. Um, And the rescuers had the unenviable task of searching not only for survivors, but for those who had died. They were able to assist 40 sailors out of the water. So that's that's a good recovery effort, I think, anyway. Um, And like I said, some people were able to save themselves basically sure. able to rescue themselves or be rescued by others who weren't the, the coast guard but unfortunately um six men 
five sailors and one local fisherman who was swept into the bay. Oh, wow. Um, They ranged between the ages, I think, of 17 and 74. Wow. um, Died in the storm in what is still considered one of the worst sailing disasters in U.S. history. Oh, shit. Yep. So, the Coast Guard investigated the disaster. Now, obviously, no one was to blame for the storm. Like, the direct cause is pretty clear. Like, it was the storm. But the fact that such a large event was taking place under the threat of such a dangerous storm and dangerous weather conditions was, at the very least, concerning. Sure. Um, Even the rules of U.S. sailing, that big (laughs) spiral-bound rule book that they come out with every four years, stated that, quote... If foul weather threatens or there is any reason to suspect that the weather will deteriorate, the prudent and practical thing to do is abandon the race, end quote. So that clearly didn't happen. So the then Commodore. Well, it originally did happen. Well, but not purposefully. It was literally an accident. But that's the weird thing. Isn't it? Like. What should have happened happened accidentally yeah. and then got canceled. Like, the cancellation got yeah. canceled. Yeah, and then it went on. To, yeah, it, the, the twists of fate in this are... I know. Because if yeah. they had just held the race when it was originally supposed to be... Right? They well, probably would have avoided the storm. Or at least most people. There would have been yeah. much fewer people on the water. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so the then Commodore of the Fairhope Yacht Club, Gary Garner... Uh, was none too thrilled about the Coast Guard investigation, and he stated publicly, quote, I'm assuming they know the right-of-way rules, but as far as sailboat racing, they don't know squat, <laughs> end quote. A long way of saying fake news, folks. Fake news. But it's it's also like, he was basically like, fuck the Coast Guard, which, what a fucking narrow Yeah, exactly. It's say. like, they, they're not, they have no... Standing like it's just they're just trying to figure out what happened. Right, exactly. Like, are you trying to figure out what happened? Right. No. Yeah. You're just gonna criticize it if it doesn't go your way. Right. So I actually. <laughs> Where do we hear that every day? <laughs> well, ten times a day, every day. So I couldn't actually find the final U.S. Coast Guard investigation report. Well, I'm not 100 percent sure if it's actually done. I mean, this was three and a half years ago. Sometimes investigations can drag on. And I'm sure there is still some um, lawsuits pending. We'll stuff get like to that. that. Yeah. We'll get to that. Yeah. But I even looked on like their investigation report site and tried to search for it and couldn't find it. So. Um, but anyway, what I could find as far as, like, allusions to what were concluded or suspected or whatever was that the main issues that were, were identified were, first off, not calling off the race in spite of the fact that there was inclement weather. Accidentally calling off the <laughs> yeah. race. Well, they didn't talk about that because that was all... Like, sure. I mean, it's ironic, but it's neither it here is nor the weird, there. It's the weird thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, two was the lack of record-keeping of crew members, which... Um, frustrated the rescue efforts. Um, And another thing was they didn't require everyone on board to wear life jackets. So a lot of people actually weren't wearing their life jackets. That is very odd in a race. Yeah. Now, if I'm just going out for a pleasure cruise, it kind of drives me nuts that you do have to have, it's like Mm. going 10 miles an hour. Well, I, I guess you never know when I get it. You could be blindsided by another, but whatever, but still, yes, in a, race. Yeah, absolutely. That should be required mm-hmm. that you wear a life vest. 
Yeah. That's stupid that you wouldn't want to wear it to begin with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then another exacerbating factor was the 90-minute delay. Obviously, yeah. if fewer people would have been on the water if it had started in yeah. time. You know? So. Yeah. This is just wow. Yeah. So, Valentina Henry, the daughter of Robert Thomas, who was one of the victims of the disaster, sued the Fairhope Yacht Club over her father's death. It was like a wrong, wrongful death suit. And it was settled in June 5th, on June 5th, 2018, so just last year, prior to going to trial. Like, they had the jury selected, I think, and then they just settled. And it was a confidential settlement, but the family's attorney said they were very pleased with the results. So I think they paid pretty, pretty good. Then four federal lawsuits, so not state level, but federal level, were also filed by, the fam- by family members of the victims. Three were consolidated into a single case because the three people um, that the separate suits were about the wrongful death of were all aboard the same vessel. So they're like, oh, okay. we're just going to yes. wrap it up in this sure. one case. Yeah. And then another one that was that was separate from that. But as far as I can tell, these suits haven't even gotten underway yet. That they're thinking that they might start this summer. So this is still ongoing as far as the litigation goes. So yes, litigation is pending. Um, in April 2017, the Dolphin Island race was postponed due to inclement weather and rescheduled in may so at least they learned a little something exactly they well they <laughs> sounds went, they went with the rule book sounds like yeah they learned their lesson a little bit um now the next time the fairhope yacht race the yacht club hosted the race which was in 2018 because remember it was in that three-year rotation so it would have been three years later the safety plan included the involvement of the coast guard to sure. address concerns and inspect boats and provide water support during the race. Absolutely. So they're like, okay, let's get the Coast Guard yeah. on board. With let's all at this. least have a like a point man like here, here, and here. Right. And they yeah. also specifically required everyone on board to wear life vests. Duh. Yeah. So exa- again, why you wouldn't do that in the first place <laughs> right? is beyond me. In our in a race. So, like you said, on the whole, the the disaster, like one of the articles I read was described as like a series of dominoes, you know, the delayed start, trying to outrun the weather, not requiring life jackets, not keeping adequate records. It's like like being a Bills fan. Like, it's just (laughs) one fucking thing after another. It it was a very (laughs) exacerbated situation, for sure. So, I'm going to close with a quote from U.S. sailing Olympic team Boatwright, Donnie Brennan. Who was racing that day? He said, quote, Mother Nature keeps preaching to us over and over again this same lesson, and I don't know why we have to keep relearning it. Safety is always first. Always have life jackets on or nearby. Take down the sails and close the hatches, because in that first gulp of water, 250 gallons go into the boat. And in the second, it's 400 gallons. For the third gulp, the boat goes to the bottom. End quote. And that, the dramatic flair, is the story of the Dolphin Island race disaster. That was a fucking crazy story. In it? Holy shit. <laughs> Do you like how it's in it? In it? If I was from Bama, I'd say in it. Roll damn tad. <laughs> Except no. <laughs> I've been out on the water before when it's when it's been raining, and that sucks. Well, it's just miserable. It, it is. It but really it's not is dangerous if it's just raining. Right, but in that picture, whiteout conditions, like that picture. I've been you can't in, see anything. I've just been in a couple of those in the car, and those are fucking scary oh, it's enough. Awful. Yeah, 
Oh, uh, because horrible. in that situation, like it's like no, you keep going. Like if you pull right. off to the side of the road, you have a better chance of getting, right. getting hit, mm-hmm. or you know, you just gotta mm-hmm. you just gotta gut through it. Or and even bad rain driving through bad yeah, rain. That's oh, that's nerve the thing. Like when this storm, and it sounds like it, like. Literally one minute, it's fine. Yeah, that was three minutes later. Everything is fucked. That's what they talked about. How like they everyone knew it was coming in, but once it came, it just just, like went from fine to awful and just like it fucking went to eleven. Yes, it did immediately. It might have gone to twelve actually immediately. Like there was such little warning, Uh, like observable warning, I should say. And you've just got to fucking fight and scream. You've just got to hang in there. You have to and, try not to drown yep. or get hit by something or lightning or, yeah. And if this is going on, is what it, like, it was going on for 45 minutes? Yeah. And, and they weren't getting rescued in those 45 no. minutes because the Coast Guard couldn't, couldn't go do out anything. There. No. Yeah. The rescue was happening as soon as they could. Yeah. But, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah. Pretty crazy story. Huh? I mean, all of their nerves, all the people Shot. who survived this were just Shot. like fucking. Like, probably done for a couple of days. Well, that Just. girl, Hannah, who... She was fucking 15. Yeah. She's now, like, 18, but she, yeah, she Mentally, said, she's now 57. Right? But. <laughs> no, she said that um, she she found herself crying anytime it rained. Just because it was so traumatic. Yeah. And brought back, like... She was in the fucking water for two hours with, like... A friend of the family. Yeah. And just this poor 15-year-old. no clue what's going to happen. No. So, yeah. That... <laughs> fucking... T- I fucking hate posters. <laughs> but they're so much fun. The water. Oh, it's so much fun. I like the pontoon boat that... Or was it a pontoon yeah. boat that Peter yeah. had? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That was fun. But Peter is a very cautious boat driver. Yes, so I is. trust Peter very much. Yeah. Um, it trust me. driving. Uh, you you have no idea how annoying it was when I was growing up. <laughs> As an, a really cautious adult, I very much enjoy his overcaution. Sure. Um, I found it very enjoyable to, to boat with Peter at the wheel. I felt very secure. Well, I mean, a pontoon boat is, is well, that pretty, too. pretty safe. Pontoon boats also feel very, like, flat and broad. Well, and, it like, is. Yeah. It's literally, you're, it's like a... It's just a floating party vessel. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. You know, maximum speed is like 10 miles an hour. But um, what a fucking crazy... Yeah. Terrifying. The, just the whole like time. That, oh, we're just going to go out and race our little boat. The whole, so the, fun. The whole time Ugh. I'm trying to imagine, like, what if that had all of a sudden happened, like, on the St. Lawrence River? Like, it, it never would, but... Right, but still, yeah. But from things to go from... Uh, well, you know what? You'd be fucked in the St. Lawrence because of all those islands. You oh, yeah. Hit, you'd hit Oh, you hit something. Island. Not yeah. only the islands, all the it shoals all over the place. It wasn't as open as that place. No. Yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, I should tell my boat store of when we did, literally did get stuck on an island one time, but I'll, I'll tease that for another time. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want, we can say our first goodbye, and then those who want to hang in can hang in for the oh, boat story. Oh, okay, sure. So if it, you is, it is a good one. We're, we're done with the disaster. If, you, if you're a skipper and you want to check out now, bye. Otherwise, hardcore fans, keep listening. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So this was in uh, the summer of 1996. It was a summer of so 96. I was, uh, I was, Do you like that? I was 19 years old. You're just ignoring me. I am. <laughs> <laughs> 
But anyway, uh, our friend uh, Kathy, who she lives in uh, Newport News, Virginia now, hmm. um, she had a sea-doo boat. Now, you know what a sea-doo is, right? It's like a little personal watercraft type thingy, right? Yes, but they also at this time, and they probably still do, they made sea-doo boats, which were little... Bigger. Almost like toy boats. No, they were oh. like they were maybe ten feet long. How many people could the, be on them? Uh, like five, maybe. Okay. But it, it was the same thing. It was jet powered. There was no actual. Oh. There was no actual. Oh, gotcha. So like the water shot out the back. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so you know, me and a bunch of my friends would go out to go out on the river like we do any other any other time. And this is the Thousand Islands area of New York. So there's literally. Thousands of yeah. islands. There's plenty of islands, islands you can just yeah. go to, and just you're yeah. the only people that are going to be on it. Uh-huh. Um, so we did that, you know, because there's plenty of places where people will stock up wood, people will, you know, get fires going, you know, get some other Drunk things going. Drunk and high. Yep. Yep. That, that too. Yep. That's the main thing. <laughs> but uh, so we were out there, and um, he was he was like an acquaintance of mine at uh, this guy named uh, Jason that I knew back in the day. Everyone was named Jason back in the day. Yeah, there was, and I still know quite a few of them. <laughs> we have a but, couple uh, who are still friends. But he was a he was a bit of a he was not the brightest guy. We'll put it that way. Okay. So here's the thing with a sea dew because it sucks water in mm-hmm. to generate its power. Right. We were all water skiing, okay? Behind the ski-doo? Behind the sea-doo sea boat. Sea-doo, sorry. A yes. ski-doo uh-huh. is something else. That's on yeah. snow. Sorry. <laughs> so this particular time, I'm water skiing. Okay. I fell. I'm like, you know, you're supposed to come around with the tow rope. It's right, It's never right, supposed right. to get near the engine, especially on you, a... You, ha- you do like a big loop. Yes. You, a big U-turn. Yes. Yeah. To avoid the rope getting caught in the engine. Right. Because if that happens, the, the chances that right. you are going to get it out of the engine are almost zero. Yeah. And but there's not an engine aboard a Sea-Doo, correct? Not technically, but uh, it sucks there's in. There's a mechanism. Yes. Yeah. So... I fall. He's coming around to pick me up, and I see the what, not so bright guy. Yes. Jason, the not so bright Jason. I see what he's about to do. He's about to oh, run no. over <laughs> the, the tow line, rope. Yeah. And before I can even say anything, he does it. It gets sucked <laughs> up into the engine, and everything just Stop. fucking shuts down. It just goes pop 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 pop. Didn't even do that because oh. <laughs> it, it didn't have a motor. That's true. Yeah. It, would, uh, it just literally went silent. It just stopped. <laughs> and we were about maybe couple hundred yards out into the channel okay. like we're not near the island right that we're all hanging out at so that was uh that was problem number one <laughs> how the fuck are we gonna get back to the island uh-huh. figured it out pretty quickly luckily <clears throat> in like one of the stowaway compartments there were oars so we just rode oh, back oh, okay in. yeah and these these boats were so light it's yeah not it like it didn't was, take much effort it wasn't much of a challenge yeah so, but then when we got back to the island, here's the next dilemma. What if we don't see anybody? Mm-hmm. We're literally out in the middle of the fucking channel. Right. Where the only thing you're really going to see are giant ass ships that I was talking uh, about earlier. tankers or whatever. They're not stopping to pick you up. No. <laughs> no, but they could notice if you were like they flailing could, for but, help. But they would, uh, who knows. But anyway. Gotcha. It, we were out there for a good four hours at least because this was probably like mid-afternoon when this happened Mm -hmm. and it was like kind of 
It wasn't compl- it wasn't dusk quite yet, but dusk okay. was coming. It was mm-hmm. maybe like 7:30, 8 o'clock. Gotcha. Sun's starting to go down. You're like, mm-hmm. and it's seriously sinking in that we might have to spend the night out here. <laughs> uh-huh. Like that's that was and, going and through Gilligan's Island. It that was going through all our money. Well, it was. It wasn't going to be that big of a deal. It's like we have plenty of firewood. Uh-huh. We have plenty of weed. <laughs> <laughs> Priorities, people. The beer was all gone, but yeah, whatever. Um, but no, this this um, uh, like little I want to call it a trolley boat. That's not what that in my mind. That's what it looks like. A but trolley. like a yeah, but like kind of uh, like the, the tank like the ones you along. see in uh, like Jaws, like the old sheriff boats. Like one of those things mm. came by. It wasn't. It was a personal. Oh okay. It was an actual Somebody's person boat, and they they. You know, stopped and we told them what happened. They towed us back in, thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> they're like, fuck, we have like, to tow in like these, these fucking, fucking high like these and dumb, drunk ass I know the whole teenagers. time they're these dumb fucking kids. They're like, but we can't leave them out here. <laughs> <laughs> but they considered it briefly. <laughs> they probably did. Mm-hmm. And they would have been right to yeah. <laughs> just leave us there. <laughs> yeah, they would have. I wouldn't have towed you in. Yeah, so that whole, uh, yeah, that was like a five and a half hour. Because we weren't, because when they actually picked us up, we weren't very close to the, um, thankfully we did go from, we both started the same boat launch. But that boat launch was like, you know, like five or six miles away. Oh. So, and they're towing us. Yeah, So they're just, they're just putting. Mm-hmm. It took, it literally took like 45 minutes to go like yeah. five miles, which, yeah. it, which it can on the water. Right, of course, yeah. So, yeah, that whole ordeal lasted, like, fucking, like, about seven hours from start to finish. (laughs) And that, friends, is why we are land mammals who are not meant (laughs) to tempt fate by recreating on the water. Oh, no, we are certainly meant to tempt fate by recreating on the water. (laughs) It's, It's a lot of fun. I highly encourage it. You didn't. You didn't know I could recreate on the water until a couple years ago. <laughs> well, I, you were, yeah, you were very good on the water skis. I was very impressed. I'm not saying that I didn't think you didn't think you could do it, but it's just one of those things. Like um, before you saw me play the bass, it, you wouldn't have, like, no. known. And then, I knew you did. Right. Yeah. Right. But the same thing. It's like. I knew you could water ski, but then when I saw you, I was like, shit, he's water skiing. It's impressive. <laughs> he's skiing on one ski. That's right. Yeah, you were. That's actually from a movie, though. Or were you? I was. You yeah. were, yeah. That's what okay. I've done since I was like 12. That's right, yeah. But uh, yeah. he's skiing on What's one from? ski. It's from Better Off Dead. Oh, okay. The best John Cusack movie no, of all time. No, that was a weird-ass movie. You it's made hilarious. me watch it. If you're a John Cusack fan, it's maybe the third movie he ever did. We need to save that for all bad movies. Yes. Maybe that should be, maybe that should be our angle where we pick a movie that one of us loves and the other hates. Okay. And then we can point counterpoint why it's the best or the worst movie ever. Let us know what you think, audience. <laughs> at all bad things pod. At Insta, Twitter, Gmail, and Facebook. Yes. And if you've hung in this long through all of this, then you're the one we want to hear from. Then you get a signed script. You get a signed script. <laughs> Everybody gets a signed script. Everybody gets a signed script. Yes. We've got plenty of them. <laughs> yes, we do. So that was the Dauphin. We can just say Dolphin because that's what it means. Dolphin. Dolphin. Mm-hmm. Island Race Disaster. This has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. 
We'll see you next week, and... Know your exits. Don't say anything. Don't. Don't. <laughs> <laughs>